So this morning, we continue our journey through the first verse of the classic Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Last week, we we looked at the Lord is come and how Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And this week, we look at let earth receive her king. And we're going to do that by, by taking a look at a text that is not typically considered for Advent, but, but that's cool. We're going, to, we're going to do it anyway. This morning we'll be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to read along. If not, the words will be up on the screen. Let's read the word of the Lord together this morning. Philippians chapter 2, 6 to 11. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father." This ends the reading. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. The year after Karen and I got married, we flew from where we lived in Washington State out here to to Jersey to visit family on this side of the country. And we stayed with my grandparents who were living in Paramus at the time. It was a great visit, one one that has furnished me with memories I will hold on to for as long as I can. And one of those memories is when my grandparents, Mama and Papa, as we called them, took Karen, myself, and my aunt, or my Tanta Linny, out to the suburban diner on Route 17. We sit down, we pick up our menus and decide what we're going to eat. Now, I'm a a pretty predictable guy when, when ordering at a restaurant, particularly if I've never been there before, and especially if they have burgers. So I order my burger. Karen orders her meal, as does Aunt Lenny, and then it's time for my grandparents to order. Now, they are regulars, at this particular establishment. Every Sunday, they fill a booth. And and if I'm predictable in what I'm going to order, Papa might as well be carved from stone, for it's the only thing he gets, meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Until today. Today, we hear from behind Papa's menu, I want a burger. Now, Mama, being Mama, is quick to inform Papa that there is one singular thing that he likes on the menu and that he needs to order his meatloaf and mashed potatoes. But Papa is resolute. Today, he wants beef on a bun with some fries. But Mama won't relent. She keeps telling him he needs to order the meatloaf, and they go back and forth, and the volume builds, and Karen and Lenny and I are just caught in this back and forth, like, what is happening? This is crazy in the middle, <laughs> this is whatever. Until finally, Papa has enough, and he slams his hand on the table... And says, I am the man and I want a burger. That story will never not make me smile. But as I pondered our theme and our text this morning, that smile is mixed with a bit of a grimace. 
For there is something dangerous behind the proclamation of I am the man or I am the woman or I am the one. For in our hearts we are proclaiming I am the king. I am the king. I get to make decisions for myself. I get to do what I want to do. We see this theme written all over our culture, right? We're in that, that Christmas season and, and the commercials and the ads on my like, browsers are, are relentless. Treat yourself. Make sure you get what you want for Christmas this year. Man, 2020 was rough. And you deserve it. Can't afford it? That doesn't matter. Treat yourself. You're the king. You're the queen. You should get what you want. We see it in our TV shows. We see it in our movies. We read it in our books. We hear it in our radio, in our podcasts, in our songs. And we have witnessed it over and over again in our politics. Well, some of us are like young Simba and the Lion King who can't wait to be the king over others so that we can change the rules to fit the way that we want to do things. The majority of us realize that we will never rule over somebody else and we're okay with that. And though we may not be obsessed with the throne that that someone else is sitting on, we do not want to give up the throne of our own lives for our hearts to sing right along with the Backstreet Boys bellowing, I want it that way. So yes, we see in the world around us. But most of all, we see it in ourselves, don't we? We see this deep-rooted desire to be the one, to be the king, for it is firmly entrenched in our sinful nature. I can't remember the last time I broke up a fight with my kids because they were all trying to share with each other. It's almost always because one of them feels that their kingdom is being threatened by another kingdom. He took my toy, man. I had it first. It's mine. I got it for my birthday. He played this game too long and, he, and he's cutting into my time. Me, me, I, I, mine. And it's no wonder that this is the cry of our hearts for desiring to be the king is what got us here in the first place, isn't it? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The serpent asked Eve. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And there we have it. The temptation that man could not overcome, you will be like God. God is trying to keep you from the throne was the essence of Satan's lie to Eve. He's trying to keep you below him. And he knows that if you eat this fruit, you will be like him. You will be queen. You will be king. Satan's lie, his temptation in the garden, cuts to the very core of our humanity. We want to be king. We want to be queen. We want to rule. I am the man. I am the woman cry our hearts, and I want a burger. Well, how does the burger taste? We take in the world around us, and it is pretty clear that we are not good kings and queens. 
Corruption, treachery, theft, murder, anger, gluttony. We, we see it all. We, we experience it all. We have done it all in our pursuit of the throne. Even the best king we know of, the, know of, the man after God's own heart, King David, even his reign was marred by lust, murder, and adultery, among other things. We do not rule well. We don't rule others well. We don't rule ourselves well. We are unfit for the throne. And how are we doing with that? How are we doing with recognizing that we are unfit to rule, even though what our sinfulness wants more than anything is to rule? How does the burger taste? My grandfather didn't get very many bites into that burger before he realized he had made a terrible mistake. He hated it. It was absolutely not what he wanted. And the anger that he had at my grandmother for trying to control him was now aimed at himself. As I stand here and remember the emotions that played over that old man's face, that old man that I love dearly, as I remember the shame and frustration that etched himself into his wrinkles, I feel more connected to him now than I did back then when I thought we would be sharing joy in the same meal. For as time has gone by, I am continually reminded of how often I fail How often I follow my pride and my selfish desires. How often I fail so miserably at playing king. How often I have failed at leading well. How often I have failed at being the person that God has called me to be. And to all who have had to deal with the fallout of my poor leadership, the fallout of my sinfulness, the fallout of my quest for the throne, I ask your forgiveness, friends. Church, we are not good kings and queens, but there is one who is. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul writes the Philippian church about the best king, the true king, the king who does not have shame and guilt etched into his wrinkles, but love, grace, and justice, and mercy. The king we need, Paul writes, of Jesus. Jesus, who did not seek to use his power and his authority to his advantage, but instead made himself nothing. Jesus, as God, could have been born into any family. He could have have come as the son of a king. He could have been born into political power and used all of that influence to, to push his message. It would have been way easier to win over the church leadership. It would have been way easier to overcome his human adversaries. But he wasn't born into riches. He was born into shame and poverty. This this boggles the mind of the sinful nature. It doesn't make sense. Why would the king come as a servant? But he did. Paul writes of Jesus who took the very nature of a servant. Jesus who was God, but who willingly took on the form of man. Who willingly became human. Who willingly subjected himself to the brokenness of the world. Who willingly subjected himself to pain and sickness and hunger and thirst. This is not the king of kings that we expect. Typically, we want power to avoid all of this stuff, right? That's that's what we seek after. That's what we pursue. We want power so that we can get what we want and to avoid any form of discomfort. And yet here is Jesus embracing it 
willingly. Here is Jesus who, as Paul writes, humbled himself. And the humbling of Christ was all his own doing. No one humbled him. The circumstances of life did not humble him. Herod did not humble him. Pilate did not humble him. The high priest did not humble him. The Romans did not humble him. Satan did not humble him. He humbled himself. And though we, or though he was king, though he was all powerful, he was yet obedient to God. And in his obedience, he humbled himself to a degree that we will never be able to comprehend. For in his In his obedience, Jesus took all of the sin that he had never taken part of. He took all of the shame and the guilt and the sin that we commit, and he accepted it upon his own shoulders, drinking fully from God's cup of wrath and receiving what we deserved in our place. For in our place, Jesus was abandoned by God, cast from the presence of the Lord his Father, and in our place he died a death we cannot comprehend in a pain and loneliness that we Cannot imagine all of this for us. All of this because of his love for us. A king, a true and perfect king bearing the burden of his subjects, of his people, of those that he loves even though they so clearly do not deserve it. And then three days later he rose from the dead. And though he humbled himself, God exalts him. God brought him up from the shame of the grave and brought him to the highest place, exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now, Jesus has a lot of titles in Scripture. Emmanuel, as we discussed last week, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, ancient of days, good shepherd, the light, the lamb, the door, the bread of life, the rock, the bridegroom, the alpha and omega. So what then is the new name that Jesus is given by God here in Philippians 2? The clue to this name lies in the statement, above every name. It is greater than any other name that Jesus currently possesses. It is the greatest name. It is God's name. Kyrios in the Greek, Yahweh in the Hebrew, which is the personal name of God in the Old Testament, and Lord in English. And we see this emphasized in verses 10 to 11 of our text this morning that the name of Jesus, the at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the true king. The king that will reign forever. The king that will never fail. The king that will never break a promise. The leader who will never need to ask for your forgiveness. But in fact, the king who has purchased your forgiveness with his own death on that cross. And when we believe in that death, when we believe that we needed it because we could not make right all of the things that our own pursuit of the throne have caused to go wrong, all of the sin that we have caused and all of the sin that we have done, when we believe that we need Jesus' death to pay for what we could not, and when we have faith in his resurrection, his return from the dead, and his exaltation by God, then we are clothed with Christ. When we believe in him, when we rest in the faith that he has given us, we are covered in the righteousness of Christ, and God has mercy on us. 
and God brings us into his embrace. When we are covered in Christ, we can have a relationship with God and he brings us with joy into his family. I do not know where you are in your walk with the Lord. I do not know where you are in your pursuit of a throne. But know wherever you are in either of those journeys, God loves you. And he is calling you into relationship with him. Know that the king loves you, has had mercy on you, and has showered you with his grace. And if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in his work on the cross on your behalf, he shares with you his inheritance. (coughs) Pardon me. I've told the story of my grandfather slamming his fist onto the table and declaring himself the man many times. But the part of the story that I have not often told is what happened after he realized that he did not like his meal. As I mentioned before, my grandparents were regulars at the suburban diner on Route 17. Where my grandfather wanted the same thing every time, my grandmother preferred to be a bit more adventurous with her meal choices. And on the day that my grandfather declared his kingship and his desire for a burger, my grandmother informed the waiter that she would like meatloaf and mashed potatoes. (laughs) She waited until Papa finished his first and only bite of the burger. And she waited until he had sampled a single fry plain and then another dipped in ketchup just to be sure. And as he sat there in his shame and his hunger, she slowly pushed his plate away and slid her plate between them and offered him a fork and a knife. My grandmother was far from perfect, and I have no doubt Papa had his decision that morning thrown in his face during future arguments. (laughs) But all of that aside, the grace that my mama showed Papa during that meal breaks me. I didn't realize it at the time. When I first witnessed this move by Mama, it didn't stand out to me in the way that it does today. Maybe it's because I've gotten older and I'm able to see my own sinfulness more clearly. Or maybe it's just God opening my eyes at the right time. I I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm astounded at the grace she showed that cantankerous old man. He had just declared his kingship. He had done his best to put her in her place as one does as one who does not get to influence his life. And in return, she humbled herself and she subjected her taste buds to the blandest meal on the menu and ordered the meatloaf and mashed potatoes. And when the old man, the old man that she loved, recognized his mistake and was sitting there in his shame, she had mercy on him. She showed him grace and she shared with him exactly what he needed. And so it is with us. Though we have run from God, though we have declared to him our independence and how much we don't need him meddling in our lives. Though we have told him that we want to be king, that we want to be queen, he does not leave us. He does not abandon us. He waits with us until we recognize the depths of our failure. And then he shares with us exactly what we need. He pours out over us his forgiveness and his grace. And it is as if, it is as if he never left us.
For truly, he never left us. How thankful I am for Christmas. How thankful I am for the gift we have been given. How thankful I am for Jesus. Let us receive him. Let us believe in him. Let us rest in his promise for us. Let us rest in the faith that he has given us. And though we will fight for the throne of our lives until the day we die, let us never forget that God forgives us. Let us run to him in repentance. Let us confess to him our desire for kingship, that we may be forgiven for all that we have done. This is our king. This is our God. This is our Lord. Amen. Amen. As we respond, let us stand and sing this morning our hymn of response. What child is this?